0: Alright, join me in Ephesians chapter 6. We've been studying this epistle during our Wednesday night services and we are now in the section which deals with the armor of God. As we have been doing through this, let's read verses 10 through 18. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye... Supplication for all saints. Well, believe it or not, we are now in our 12th week in this portion of Scripture. We've covered a lot of ground that I cannot take the time to recap now, but would certainly encourage you to listen to any sermons you may have missed. By the way, you can do that by going to our podcast, going to our website, or you can go to our Facebook site and actually watch the service if you'd prefer that. So I just want everybody to get caught up if you've gotten behind on the series. But here's the bottom line. We're in a spiritual battle. And because we're in a spiritual battle, we need the armor of God. We need the whole armor of God. We need to wear it all uh, to be ready to be protected. As Satan is on the ready, Satan is walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And he's ready to attack. He's on the attack as He is permitted to do, and so we need to be ready for that. And we've already considered our need to have our loins girt about with truth. We considered the need to have on the breastplate of righteousness. And then last time we discussed having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And in this warfare that we're in, we need the peace of God which passes all understanding. We, without the peace of God in battle, we're going to have issues. We're going to have problems. We're going to get injured. And if we don't maintain peace with God, that injury is going to take us out of the war, out of the battle. We'll be sidelined until we get back to having peace with God. And so we've got to have our feet shod. Without the peace of God we become victims of the wiles of the devil. And the devil wants to come along and whisper in your ear things like this. If God really loved you, He would not have allowed this to happen. If God was really all-powerful, He would have prevented this. What's the use in serving God if you have to experience such trials and tribulations? And without the peace of God, knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that God is in complete control, the devil will come along and try to trick us in that area and get us to start going, yeah, why didn't God prevent this? Why did God allow this to happen in my life? And we've got to be careful about those things because there are more people sidelined today as a result of different situations that came into their life that they couldn't really get peace about. Some of them are very serious. And I'm not saying it's easy to get peace about it. But that's why we have the Lord as our Savior. He can give us that peace. And so when we're not protected against the tricks of the devil, uh, we can become wounded. And if we don't maintain peace with God through this life, then we will run into issues at some point. So we must be protected with the peace of God if we're going to continue in the fight. And if we're going to stand... As these verses tell us to do several times, then we must have our feet ready. You can have everything else ready. You can have everything else inspection ready. But if your feet are not ready, it doesn't matter. You'll be out of the battle. I can't overemphasize the importance of of this particular verse. Our feet must be ready. If your feet fail you, you're out of the battle. You're out. I I know those who claim to read their Bible. They're faithful to church. They say they pray. They're faithful to give. Yet they have no peace with God. And it's because of something that happened in their life that they weren't able to really make sense of. And they became... in ineffective in battle. We must always maintain peace with God. Amen? You will go through something in your life. You will go through some battle in your life at some point that will be so deep, so difficult, so hard to understand that if you don't have peace with God, you're going to fail on the day of adversity. Do we really believe that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do we really believe that? Will you have will you have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Will you keep them shod with the gospel of peace? By the way, that word preparation it means to it means to be ready. It, it, obviously it means to prepare. It means to be ready. And if you start digging down the root words here, there's actually a part of this that means you have to always adjust things as you go. And as you wear this equipment, as you wear this armor of God, there's adjustments that have to be made along the way. Because as you grow in your faith, different circumstances will come your way. And you have to constantly be in adjustment to that. Now that was all recap. As we start tonight, I want to go back to verse 15 again and talk about having our feet shod. And I want to mention again the Roman soldiers' footwear. I mentioned last time, but I didn't really apply it to the battlefield yet. I mainly mentioned how we need to be prepared as we march to the battlefield. We've got to be ready for battle when we get there, and we've got to have our feet protected. But what about when the Roman soldiers got to the battlefield? Well, remember that the Roman soldier's sandal, it had a a thick leather sole and embedded into that sole were spikes or hobnails. And it was obviously used to gain traction. We might think of a cleat or something like that. And it wasn't only designed to help in marching to the battlefield, but it was especially designed to help while you were in combat. And so we're told four times to stand here. Well, three times we're told to stand. One time we're told to withstand. But four times we could say we're being told to stand. There is no doubt that God wants us to stand our ground. Amen. To stand our ground. It's been said that the single greatest key to the power and might of the Roman military was their ability to stand their ground on the battlefield. Of course, they were aggressors and yes, they would march into other countries to conquer. But when they were on the battlefield is when they demonstrated their greatest strength. And what they would do is they would do nothing more than stand their ground. That's all they had to do. There was a Roman military historian named, uh, bear with me here, Publius Flavius Vegestus Renatus. Sweet. He simply is known today as uh, Vegestius. Don't quote me on the pronunciation. I looked it up, but... Anyway, he described an example of the Roman foot soldier in in battle in, in his writings. And he mentioned how the smallest Roman security force was a guard made up of 16 men. And these 16 men, they would be spaced evenly over a, an area of 36 square yards. I let somebody else do the math for me, but I'm told that would be roughly six feet of ground per soldier that they would be required to protect. And while on the, the battlefield, they had one primary objective. They were, they were commanded one thing that they had to do above all else when they were on the battlefield. And that was, they had to make sure no enemy soldiers ever entered their six-foot area. And if they did, you can guess what was supposed to happen to the enemy. Kill them. And so that was their one primary objective, to stand in this little six-foot area. And having done all, they were to stand. Overall, this doesn't seem like a whole lot of ground when we think of one soldier protecting this little area. But it really was part of the genius of the Roman military power. This military machine. Vestius wrote that when arranged like this, with the understanding that each man had one job and that was protect their area, that they they had been known to withstand over 500 enemies coming at them. 16. And all they did was protect their one little area. And so to do this on the battlefield, you can imagine how these specially designed shoes would help them to literally dig in their heels, get traction, and just stand and fight. Stand! And having done all to stand. And that's all they would do. Now, a six-foot area is not that big. Amen? I think for most of us, that would be outstretched arms. I told Jesse Reeser I was thinking about her when studying this, and I'm not sure she could reach the total six-foot area. But if you had a two-foot dagger in your your hand, it was a small sword, about two feet. We might call it a dagger. It was made for close combat. If you had that in your hand and you were an average-sized man, then you could easily cover your six-foot area of ground while on the battlefield. And if we apply this to our spiritual warfare then just imagine tonight if your primary responsibility is nothing more than protecting your little six-foot area of ground. Just picture that. This is far less daunting than looking at the world around us and seeing all that's going on and thinking, how in the world are we going to make a difference? Just protect your area. Just keep protecting your area. When we view all that's going on in our country... When we see all that's going on in the world, it can become very overwhelming. And what I hear from some people out there is this kind of defeatist mindset that, well, it's the last days and it's not going to get any better. Well, first of all, no man knows the hour when Christ is going to return. Amen. And on top of that, there's been worse times than this in history. And so we can still make a difference for sure, but we've got to stop looking at this as a whole all the time. And we've got to look at this little... I'm not, saying, I'm not suggesting that we completely take our eyes off of what's happening in our country and around the world. We're not to be oblivious to all of what's going on. But the fact is, you and I tonight, we have not been elevated to a position on the world stage. Amen? I mean, if I died tomorrow, I might have you at my funeral, and that's about it. Out of 7 billion people. Nobody's going to notice. You understand what I'm saying? We're footmen. We're infantry. We're we're soldiers. And we we haven't been elevated to a point of writing policy of of those kind of things. Now, we can impact those things. I'll talk about that a little bit. But we haven't been elevated to that stage. We're simply foot soldiers in this warfare that we're in. And as such, the command we have been given here in Ephesians chapter 6 is we're to stand. We're to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, is what the Bible says. And that's all we're commanded to do. There's many battles being waged out there. There's a lot going on. I mean, there's, there's things that we look at and we think there's no possible way. And, and we can look at all that's going on. There's so much wickedness in high places. Sin and evil abounds. And even through this pandemic, we are not learning our lesson as a country. Say amen, because in Georgia, they already a judge already said the heartbeat law that was to stop abortions when they realized that there was a, uh, I hate to use the term fetus, but that's how they do it, had a heartbeat. Once that child had a heartbeat, you couldn't get an abortion. And the judge already said, that's not constitutional. We are not learning our lesson. No wonder cases are resurging. Amen. Well, we had 4th of July parties. No, we're sinners. Supreme Court overturned the, the law in Louisiana that was reducing abortions. Said it wasn't constitutional. We haven't learned a thing and here we are being chastised by God, being punished by God under God's judgment and we're not even learning our lesson as we go through all of this. I give you all kinds of examples of how even through this pandemic, we're just sitting there oblivious to the fact that God is trying to get our attention. And we can view all of this and we can think, how in the world can we overcome all that is going on out there? Well, I'd like to tell you that you can start making a difference by clearing off your six-foot area. You can help by standing your ground. And don't let the enemy invade your territory. And if all of God's children would do this, if we would all stand together six feet apart in our little area, it would start to make a big difference. It'd make a nationwide difference. But we tend to get our eyes on the total area. And what so many do is they become overwhelmed. They figure all hope is lost. And they forfeit their ground in the process because they hang up their armor. They stop standing. Listen, God hasn't called everyone to run governments. But he does call all of his children to stand. And we are more than conquerors through Christ. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we can mark off our area and we can dig in our feet and we can have our, sh- our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and we can stand. And we can say, no, not here. Not here. I may not be able to stop the Supreme Court from passing wrong judgments. But I can stand my ground. Amen. Listen, I can't stop the other churches from ordaining same-sex marriages. I can't stop other churches from having lesbians in the pulpit. I can't stop all those things. But I can stand my ground. Let me put it in words that we all can understand. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you mark off your spot and you say, "It's not going to happen here." If enough of us do this, it will affect policy. Kind of talked about that at our God and Country rally. I want you to evaluate how you're doing in your little six-foot area. Are you preventing the enemy and his influence from entering your territory? Are you digging in and standing your ground? Are you defending your area? God has entrusted you with your little bit of ground. And He expects you to stand. How does your area look at work? I appreciate the prayer request tonight. Pray for these. They're in my six foot area and I'm trying to lead them to the Lord. Listen, we can't, we can't affect all kind of changes sometimes. I remember being in the military it was somewhat overwhelming at times, but I would stand my six foot ground and say, God's last name is not damn. Amen. Amen. Kiss your mother with that mouth. I wasn't ugly. I'm just letting them know look, I don't want to hear it. Amen. This is my ground. And I'm going to stand. And having done all, I'm going to stand. Listen, if they can sit there and tell me I got to be respectful to every other group on the planet, they can be respectful to my beliefs as well. And you need to stand your ground. Don't let somebody come into your ground and take your God's name in vain. Like I said, I'm not saying you got to be ugly about it, but you can at least point it out. How's your work area look? Do those who come into your territory know your testimony? Do they even know you're saved? Do they know you're a Christian? Do they know your home church? Would it hurt if they knew your home church? Are you sharing Christ with them? Are you standing your ground against the enemies of the cross of Christ? How does your area look at home? Are you standing your ground and protecting your territory? Are you allowing the enemy to come into your area? All they had to do was stand. Anybody crosses this line, I'm killing you. This is my job. This is my territory. This is what what God has given me to do. God has said to stand, and having done all to stand, and I'm going to dig in my heels, and anybody that comes into that that wants to be an enemy to the cross of Christ, I'm going to say something about it. So how does your area look? In your day-to-day life, how does your area look? Are you careful with what you say? What you hear? What you think? And where you go? You don't have to let the enemy into your territory without a fight. I'll always remember Pastor Kuhn told me once, he said, it's interesting how people will shut out the world by closing the windows and locking the door and then they'll turn on the TV and let the world right back in. So how's your area look? When we are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, then we have the traction to stand firmly upon our ground. And no matter how crazy the world gets, we can have peace with God. And whatever comes our way, we can have peace to know that God is always in control. Amen. What comes at us, God permits. Satan had to get permission from God to go to Job. We need to always remember, God's in complete control and He's almighty. And yes, we will do what we can to make a difference in this world. And and yes, we want to see policy changes. And yes, we want to see godly leaders and judges across our land. And we can try to vote those people in. But... uh, We want our children, our grandchildren to live a peaceful life in America. Uh, But it all begins with our little bit of ground. And obviously for this to be extremely effective, like it was for the Roman army, then it requires all of us doing our part. If you picture that in your mind, they had to know that the dude next to them was doing his part. That they're covering their six foot of ground, and he was covering his six foot of ground, and and, and it was just made it more effective to focus on what it was the, the objective was. And when we all do our part, then we're better focused on our area because we know the next six feet next to us is covered. And this barrier begins to form. As a church body, We can stand more effectively when we all determine that we're going to take our six-foot area and we're going to protect it. And as a church, we'll be more effective that way. And when the next person next to you knows that, hey, I know they're doing their part. And they're doing their part. And they're doing their part. And the next thing you know, this barrier has kind of formed of protection. Not of isolation, but of insulation. I like the example of, I don't isolate my kids from going out in the winter, but I insulate them and they still go out. Right? We don't want to isolate. We we don't want to be a commune. We're not going to be monks up in the mountains. But we are to insulate one another from Satan's attacks. This is to be a holy place, by the way. We are the church, the, the people. It's really not even these walls, right? This is just a facility. It facilitates what God wants us to do. But when we all stand and do our part as a church body, we're going to be way more effective. We're going to be way more protected. A barrier is going to be begin to form. And you may think, well... What kind of difference can we make in Rapid City? I'll tell you what, if about 200 of us all got together and we started to stand our six-foot area of ground, it would start to make a difference in this city. It may not seem like much, but you get enough people standing, it makes a difference. There's no telling what could be accomplished for Christ's name's sake if every person in this body would start to do their part. So I just want to encourage you, stand your ground. And having done all, stand. Now there's another wrinkle to this. You may recall I mentioned last time there are two common interpretations of what it means to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Obviously one common interpretation is what we covered last time. That God's children can have peace through the war. Through the trials and the tribulations. We can have peace with God through that. I believe that fits the context the best. But the other common interpretation, which I feel is more of an application, is how we need to be marching forward with a gospel message. Proclaiming that mankind can have peace with God. And I want to take a moment to just consider this application. But in light of what I just covered, I I would apply it this way. Uh, not so much as charging into battle, because we're not necessarily told to do that. We're told to stand. But that for those who come into your area, are you giving them the gospel? Are you giving them the gospel? It does no good to give them the reminder that they shouldn't be saying these things and doing these things and, and acting this way if we don't give them the remedy. And so are you giving those people who come in the gospel? As you walk about in this life, are you sharing the gospel with those you come in contact with? Are you showing other people how they can have peace with God through Christ? Let's never forget that eternity hangs in the balance. Heaven and hell. Once you die, it's the, that's it. Eternity is in the balance. And listen, aren't you glad somebody told you? Aren't you glad when you came up on the battle and you got up in their space, they told you about the Lord Jesus Christ? Boy, I am. Nahum 1.15 says, Behold upon the mountains the feet of Him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace. Isaiah 52.7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. So we see a connection in the Bible between feet and proclaiming peace. Which makes verse 15 of our text applicable to not only having peace through our warfare, but giving the gospel of peace as we go through this life. Isaiah talks about good tidings and he ties that together with salvation. Salvation. And peace. And when we compare the New Testament quote of Isaiah fifty two, seven, we find that it means the gospel. Remember, gospel means the good message, glad tidings. And in Romans ten, thirteen through fifteen, it's quoted at the end of that it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, now he's going to quote Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So the Holy Spirit, and I hope you're praying this throughout your day. Holy Spirit, lead me to the person that needs Christ. That's going to receive the message and all these things. The Holy Spirit guides us in our day-to-day lives to those who need the gospel of peace. Amen. Listen, we're here for a purpose, right? We're not just here to come to church and say amen and walk out. But we're to go out of here understanding we're in a warfare. And we're to give this gospel. And when people come into that that little area, the Holy Spirit is drawing us together so that we can witness to another and tell them of their need uh, for Christ in their life. And so as those come in contact with you, are you letting them know that they can be reconciled to God and thereby have peace with God. Are you doing that? We're all called to preach the gospel. All of us are called to be proclaimers of the gospel. I thank God for preachers. But God has called all His children to give the message of salvation through Christ alone. All of God's children are to have beautiful feet. That simply means this, you're giving the gospel wherever you go. You're letting people know about Christ. And in order, now get this, in order to proclaim peace to others as you walk about and for those who come into your, in contact with you, this requires you to stay focused on one objective. That's to stand your ground and to stand with the gospel of peace. And the only way you're going to be able to give the gospel of peace is if you also have peace with God. Amen. And understand how I mean this. But we take out the enemies of God, just so to speak. We, we take out the enemies of God by leading them to Christ. Amen. Because all of us who are born again in here, we were born at enmity with God. We had to be born again. And we had to die. Isn't that right? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And so we had to die to self, and we had to be raised to walk in newness of life. And so as we're in this battle, as we're on the battlefield, we're in this warfare, and people come into our area, the enemy comes, and I'm not not—I'm just using this figuratively. I'm not saying they're coming at you angrily or anything. Like that. But as they come into your area, the enemies of Christ, we are to take them out by giving them the gospel. That they might be born again and become fellow soldiers. And so just to be clear, if you just woke up, I'm not suggesting that we kill anybody. Amen. Was that hot rod? Who was doing that? Oh, back there, the peanut gallery. All right, Joe. So we're not to kill any, we're not to kill anybody. All right? but we are to give them the gospel. But when we come to Christ, we do die. We're, we're, we're new creatures in Christ. And if enough people have peace with God, then there will be more peace among mankind. Now, I know that sounds like an America pageant answer. You know, I just want world peace. Uh. But it's true. I mean, if enough of us... All right, you know what? I just ruined that point, but... We just need to stand our ground. Amen? Just stand our ground. So I ask you tonight, are your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Are you, are you digging in? you have traction? Are you at peace with God tonight? We all go through things. Are you at peace with God? If you're not saved, you're not at peace with God. But you can have peace because, remember from last time, Christ... Made peace. He made the peace for us to have, and He wants to give us His peace. Are you standing your ground? Are there people in your life right now you think, you know what, I come in contact with them every day, and you know what, I don't think I've ever witnessed to them one time? Do they even know? And listen, we live in a day where people have never been to church. Never seen a Bible. Never seen one opened or read. They don't know Adam and Eve. You understand what I'm saying? We've we've got to be busy about standing our ground. Are you sharing the good news of Christ? So I want you to leave out of here determined to picture that area and to say I'm not letting the enemy into my area. That you're going to clear the ground around you. I think about clearing the ground. I think of what Brother Muldoon said when they first got to Papua New Guinea. Man, we just had to spend about six months clearing the ground. And that's what we need to do. We just need to clear the ground. There may be things in your life that you need to get rid of. And you've got to clear that out. You've got to take the time to uh, take the swing blade and get that out of there the area around you at work listen I want you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves I'm not, I'm not preaching that you've got to be this jerk that's a great way to lead people to Christ amen but I am saying you can speak up you, have, you probably have far more rights than you realize you do and so how's your area at home what about your day to day activities You know, you can leave a gospel track wherever you go. That's about as unconfrontational as you can get. Amen? That's not that hard. But don't let the enemy into your area without a fight. And you know what we need is we need some fellow soldiers, like Paul and Epaphroditus. We need some men that won't drop out in the fight. That you have their back and they have yours. And nobody's getting into our area. Amen. Are your feet shod tonight? Let's pray.